the show. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Clear the Dance Floor here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I am your host, Colby Smith. I will be with you for the next hour, and I am joined in the studio. This is the, like, people used to say, there used to be this meme that was like, uh, uh, name a more iconic duo, I'll wait. <laughs> and we're acting that out. This is the Radio Free Brooklyn crossover event of the year. Ooh. Mike Joseph is here. Hey, Colby. You are the host of... The vibe from Mike's house. I am. For the station. And also the Detoxicity Podcast. Yes. Not In, for the station. Independent venture. Yes. But they don't, you know, they they let us they let us go. They yeah. let us be free. We can we can moonlight. <laughs> we can use the infrastructure to get to, you know, it's like when you remember when like all those uh uh New York Times writers were like leaving for Substack? Yes. Do you remember that that's what's going on yes, here? That <laughs> is what's going on here. Absolutely. <laughs> and now no one thinks about Substack. Like, I, mean, I mean, I still have a Substack that gets used infrequently. Yeah, same here. It's, it's yeah. there. It's still active, but I think I, I, I'm maxing out at like two a year right now. <laughs> <laughs> I highly anticipate those two. Yes. Uh, but yeah, the people were so worried about that for a while. It was like, this is going to destroy journalism. And then it was gone. I mean, journalism, I feel like, was destroyed a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. So, yeah. <laughs> Preach, brother. Yes. I, you know... <laughs> Probably speaking to the choir here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're we're coming to you guys live from a scene of some November rain outside, <laughs> just like Guns N' Roses. Yeah, uh, we've got some November November drizzle happening in yeah. Brooklyn right now. I was talking the other day about how the Chinese democracy is like such a great name for such a terrible <laughs> <laughs> album. You can't have it all. You really can't. It's got to be either a good name or a good piece of work. Yeah. Do you have any favorite album titles for for otherwise bad records? I would have to think about that. I know. I feel like this is kind of a rich vein that I'd want to like dive into. Man, that, that would require some preparation, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, there are lots of, I mean, there are lots of great albums, and there are also lots of great album titles, mm -hmm. and I'm sure that there are parts where there's one and not the other. Yeah. Um gotta be yeah i, I mean just, let's just start with good titles let's start let's not even put the bad album on there never mind i mean that's that's just that's a, a great, great you know great simple title yeah um you know i just finished reading uh elton rereading elton john's book and i know oh really have, yeah so oh wow uh, well, goodbye yellow brick road <laughs> yeah uh don't shoot me i'm only the piano player is that's a great a really album title yeah uh i feel like in the 70s in 80s people were more creative mm -hmm. uh, he, he, my favorite well this is maybe good this is kind of a mid tier album for him but it's my favorite title is too low for zero yeah that's yeah, a great, that's great. title yeah, oh my god there's some forethought it's not like someone just calling it like today <laughs> or you know or some simple midnight yes i i was gonna say that and then i was like do we really want to go there uh, no, I'm I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm sick of it. <laughs> I'm sick of but it. yeah, you should. I mean, you know, if you're going to create a body of work, you should put uh put some thought into making a name. You know, making mm -hmm. a decent title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Man, I'm just trying to rack my brain for other good titles. There, I mean, there are plenty. There's I mean, so Frank many. Frank Zappa had tons of. There's a, he had an album called Weasels Ate My Flesh, <laughs> which I think is a fantastic album title. That is a good title. Yeah, this is maybe an answer to my initial question, which is great title, bad album. Which, I mean, depending on how you feel about Frank Zappa, Frank Zappa, I, he never really spoke to me. But I also feel like he's one of those people where it's like it hasn't found me yet. You know what I mean? Like I think I'm the problem more so. You know, <laughs> I mean. 
everybody's different, right? Yeah. So everyone's taste is different. Taste is a subjective thing. Um, I personally would not sit at home and listen to a Frank Zappa recording. Yeah. Uh, I understand that there is value in what he does, and there's people who really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. uh, I happen to not be one of those people, and that's totally fine. I don't have to get everything. Well, he's what I feel like he's the classic guy who's like, he himself is more interesting than the work to me. Like, all the stuff he would say about the music business was like so right on. Like, when he would rant about how, like, you know, like, it was like, he has this like very famous interview clip where he's talking about how like it, in the 60s and 70s, the record company people would like put young people in charge because they were like, well, we don't know what's going on. You guys do it. Right. You know? But over the course of like the 80s where it became this like big business, you know, it was like, well, we need to it, it was like reverse engineered where it's like we need to have the hits. You know, we need to like give all the bands a logo, you know, like stuff like that. Uh, and then we just went down that. Right. So he's very articulate about that stuff. And it's like, yeah, he's the only person I've heard put it that way. But then it's like, I don't like his music. music. And that's <laughs> fine. Like, you can appreciate like someone's. Farts. Yeah. You can appreciate somebody's aesthetic. <laughs> yes. Without appreciating the art. Yeah. This, yeah. Here's a maybe here's a maybe controversial one for you. And you okay. feel free to disagree. I feel the same way about John Cassavetes movies. That's fair. I mean, I, I'm I not like I am not a massive cinephile. Yeah. Um, so I don't have like a favorite director or a favorite, uh, screenwriter. Even, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I have a favorite actor. I, I enjoy movies, but I'm not tied to yeah. a particular filmmaker. That's good. So it's just kind of like, it's a movie by movie basis. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, when you come across Cassavetes. I'm sure I've seen a John Cassavetes don't movie. Don't bother. What, 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 <laughs> what, what is one of his popular? Big one is probably Husbands. Okay. I've heard of that. I've never yeah. seen it. Uh, or a woman under the influence. Heard of it, never seen it. Killing of a Chinese bookie. Did he drink that? Those sound like that. really art housey kind <laughs> yeah. of uh, very yeah. specific. Well, his whole thing is like he would take these acting jobs in like big movies and then use them to finance his own basically independent movies. Where it was okay. like a, he wouldn't he wouldn't write a script. He would just like have beats and, and have like the actors make up all the dialogue. Okay. Uh, but it's like, they, so all the scenes feel like acting exercises instead. Like, it's such a cool idea to, like, shoot them lean and fast and, like, have, like, your big work finance your, like, artier stuff. But, like, the scenes are just kind of, like, a lot of repeating things and, like, not really getting to the heart. You know what I mean? It's like the actor's brain is, I think, limited by all these other considerations that the writer doesn't have. It usually. sounds so niche. Anyway... <laughs> It's you know not not a mass appeal kind of thing. No, no, no. Yeah, it's 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 not. Okay, let's go back to tunes. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm we yelling could, about we, we can still talk about movies. Dead I, for decades. I, I I saw I saw a James Bond movie over the the weekend that I had never seen before. Okay, hit uh, me with it. It was You Only Live Twice. Oh yes, uh, Sean Connery. Yeah, Nancy Which, uh, Sinatra song. Yes, Nancy Sinatra theme song. Mm -hmm. uh, I realized that uh, the main villain, I guess, or one of the villains, first of all, uh, You Only Live Twice is a 50-something-year-old movie, and the politics of that movie have not held up very well. Not great. Uh, it is set in Japan? Japan or China? I don't yeah, remember which. Japan. Uh, either way, um, there is James Bond in yellow face, which is definitely not cool. It's upsetting. Um, yep. And uh, the the main villain... I guess it is who they uh, got the idea for Dr. Evil in the Austin Powers movies. Yep. 
because it's a guy with like a scar under his eye mm-hmm. and a bald head and he's constantly like stroking this cat and uh it it i like that was sort of the main take where i was like oh this is where they got dr evil from yeah right. absolutely yes also this is severely racist it's it's pretty bad yeah yeah <laughs> that movie has very few redeeming qualities i would say uh Except for that theme song. Oh, my God. It's a great theme song. Oh, I got to cue it up. Yeah. (laughs) Used at the end of... uh, Oh, my God. Listen to this. Great little orchestral riff. And... Then it starts up. Oh, my God. She sounds great. Wow. What an incredible song. It makes me want to become a spy. Yeah, I know. I know. It's very 60s in a, in a, in a great way and kind of like a 60s pop way and not like a uh, psychedelic uh, melt your face. Yeah, it's not like Jefferson Airplane or anything like yeah. that. It's very kind of like, uh, you know, uh, loungy kind of uh, uh, torch song, yeah. big ballad kind of, you know orchestrated thing well what brought this on why did you uh what led you to you only live twice here in the year of our lord 2023 (laughs) uh i I did a friendsgiving with with some folks that i usually spend uh thanksgiving with shout out to those friends and normally we we eat dinner and Mm. at that point we're a little tipsy uh if not outright drunk and also full of tryptophan and carbohydrates. Yes, a and, winning combo. Yeah, and there's really nothing you can do after the combination of alcohol, tryptophan, and carbohydrates than sit somewhere perfectly still and watch a movie. Yes. Uh, or in our case, talk through a movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't remember what our other option was. It was like something recent or a James Bond movie, and I think we all kind of decided on a James Bond movie because we didn't want to think too much. Yeah. So we ended up watching a James Bond movie. That's, I mean, look, I would have made the same choice. Fair. I mean, you have they're, good taste, Colby. They're Smith. stylish. Yeah, I, those 60s Bonds. Yeah, very stylish. Yeah. And as a not stylish person, I respect <laughs> that level of stylishness. Yes. Like, I can't rock a suit like Sean. I mean, oh I don't wear suits, God. but I wouldn't be able to rock a suit like Sean Connery. Man, the, the, the man is, is uh, a picture. Hey, yes. I mean, my... And I was, uh, you know, intoxicated when I made this statement, but we were watching the movie and I was like, uh, maybe he should, he should have done a James Bond movie in the Zardoz outfit. Oh my God. Where he's just kind of like walking around with like a, a, a Borat level. Yeah. With with a, you know, with a banana hammock, um, and, and, you know, thigh high boots, but, uh. You know, maybe James Bond isn't cut out for that yet. <laughs> we we weren't ready for that no, James Bond no, yet. No. Although Daniel Craig might have been the guy to take us there. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next James Bond movie. It might be, you know, it might be the uh, James Bond Zardoz crossover we were looking for. Oh my God! If only, <laughs> if only. They should have a little fun with those at this point. It does feel, and I have to say, I mean, a lot of those, a lot of those Daniel Craig movies were very skillfully made. Yeah. But I do wonder, watching them, what the point is now. Because there are people out there who are just like, we can't make a choice, let's go see a James Bond movie. And there are enough of those people out there that those movies will turn a profit Mm -hmm. every single time. 
I mean, it's it's valuable IP, yeah. you know, and everybody everybody needs that. And at least it's not. I mean, I guess it's kind of his own superhero, but at least it's like it's it's a superhero movie that's at least sort of adult yes. <laughs> sensibility. Yeah, it's not based on a comic book. Yeah. So there are some good things going for it. But I do I, I just I see him as such a cold warrior. You know, it's yeah. like it's hard to know what uh, like James. But there's one of these movies where it's like he fights like a uh, uh a uh, uh, computer guy, you know what I mean? It's like it's like computer guy. He's gonna hack into the mainframe. It's like I don't know. Yeah, they're they're silly. Like they're uh, they're intentionally silly. Yeah, and I yeah, like yeah. the fact that they're they're kind of wink wink nudge nudge mm-hmm. uh, campy movies. Totally. Like they're in on the joke. Yeah, my guy Roger Moore. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. I mean, you know, well, shout out to Roger right. Moore and Well I. Yeah. Yeah, like the, you know, you got to be in on the joke. That right. that makes him good. Could come in for a nightcap. <laughs> right. And who, you know, what guy doesn't want to be like suave and dashing oh, and yeah, yeah. you know, boning everything <laughs> in like yes. a 30-foot radius? Um But I think you could argue since we're talking about this that in the Daniel Craig era, they've dialed down the sex in the movies. There's not to quite a degree. as much. There's, I mean, that first one, the casino one. Casino Royale. That's that's a sexy movie. Yeah, you got Eva Green and it's kind of slinking around and in, in her cocktail dress the entire time. Yeah. But since then, I think they've been very, very. Uh, they've been uh, a lot of action and not so much style. Right. You know. But I mean, these are the times. You and, know. You know, Daniel Craig is a stylish, very handsome guy. Mm-hmm. You know. Right, so the sexiness, I think, is more implied now than it is overt. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not that the Pierce Brosnan ones were that sexy either. Now that I think about it. I think they were pretty sexy. More it so wasn't, than, yeah. More so than Craig, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Man, we really got to go back. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe you made the right choice with the Connery ones. I think those are probably the sleekest of uh, of them all. Although you, know? you only live twice is almost two hours long, <laughs> and they could have trimmed that by a solid twenty five <laughs> minutes and kept the plot and everything else exactly the way it was. It's like you know, towards the end when things are blowing up and you realize you're watching different angles of the same camera shot of people like uh, uh jumping uh when in reaction to an explosion yeah, yeah just like yeah. falling over a rail yeah yeah <laughs> like didn't we just see this 45 seconds ago yeah but, but right. reverse right yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so i don't yeah. know no how, how do you feel about mission impossible are you up on those <sighs> last mission impossible movie i saw must have been like 10 years ago oh yeah so it's, it's been i mean it, didn't didn't Tom Cruise turn into Matt Damon at some point? Did he? Uh, Mission Impossible, or has it always been Tom Cruise? I think it's I think it's always been Tom Cruise. There was a stretch where they oh were no, maybe... Matt Damon was the Born Identity. Yes, okay. yes, yes. I'm yes. getting my action movies confused. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mission Impossible, great alternative to James Bond. I would I would yeah, say. Yeah, I would uh, say. Really, really fun. You know, Flicks. it's American James Bond. Oh yeah, big yeah. time. Yeah. And who is our American James Bond more than Tom? Tom Cruise, Cruise. a blank slate on which we can project <laughs> i mean seriously though yes he, he really is like i'm i'm picturing his face mm-hmm. in my head right now and it just it's his face is like a visual question mark yes <laughs> <laughs> blank slate is a good way to put it it's interesting seeing him in this most recent mission impossible where he it's the first time where i feel like okay tom is looking older you know he's got to be 60 he is 60 okay and his face is kind of scrunched a little bit <laughs> you know he still got it he's still doing it he still runs okay wouldn't be a tom cruise movie without a good run run right 
but it's it's just a little bit. You can see it around the eyes. He's running, you know? but the knees hurt a lot more yes. now. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> exactly. 718-673-8201 is our number if you guys want to get in on this spy movie talk, which we did not plan. But <laughs> No, we didn't. This is completely <laughs> extemporaneous. Really connecting yeah. on this. <laughs> yeah. 718-673-8201. Uh, Eight two zero one. Now I do want to. I want to talk about some about some music stuff with you, Mike, because I, I uh, uh, there's no one better, and or or, or definitely no one uh, well, who I thank you have on the show <laughs> to talk about this. This was the year of a great pop rivalry, was it not? It was, was it Taylor versus Beyonce? Two huge tours, two concert films, yes. and one of them is getting all the attention. And I, for one, think that's wrong. What, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? Oh, man. Are you ready to get canceled, Kobe Smith? <laughs> Maybe. Canceled or like uh, uh, just like the, the Taylor Swift, the Swifty Hive coming yeah. after us? I don't know, man. I So I actually do like Taylor Swift and Beyonce. Hey, hey, hey. Me too. Yeah. I like them both. All right. It took Plenty me. Room. It took me a little longer than most to officially jump on the Taylor Swift train. Mm -hmm. Well, because the first couple albums were for kids. I did for teenage girls. Yeah, and I am neither teenage nor a girl. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah, and you know, again, music is subjective. People can like what they like, or it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But I, I, you know, it's only been really in the last like five or six years that I've been like, okay, I really dig Taylor Swift. Um, do I think she's like the hottest thing in the world? Like is, is a master musician? No. I mean, you know, she's not Joni Mitchell. She's not, uh, you know, that level of, uh, uh, mm -hmm. craftsmanship. Yeah. But she makes great pop songs. They're super hooky. They're fine. Would I pay $500 to see Taylor Swift in concert? I'm not paying $500 to see Jesus. <laughs> like that's. A ridiculous amount of money is, to pay to see someone perform. That is so funny. Yeah. Hey, I heard Jesus is going to be at MetLife Stadium. Hey, Jesus is coming. I'm not paying five hundred dollars for it. <laughs> like, I'm. He's. We'll have to catch him next time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Jesus is doing three nights. <laughs> right. You know, Jesus better serve up a discount. Yes. Um. But you know, I. I love the fact that uh, people are so passionate about these artists. That they will come out and see them and see, you know, they'll make movies and all that stuff. That's it's great for them. Mm -hmm. um, it's just kind of like not, my, not necessarily my thing. I, and I'm, I might go see the Beyonce movie. I mean, you know, she's talented enough that I would spend twenty bucks on her. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not. Uh, I'm also totally fine missing it. And when it comes on streaming and I can sit at home in my socks and watch it, that, that's fine too. Yeah, yeah. I have a hot take that I want to get your your opinion i like hot takes taylor versus beyonce to me is bruce versus prince all over again mm. now here's let me defend this mm -hmm. before you jump in mm -hmm. taylor swift i think is the modern heir to bruce's thing it's very wholesome it's very heartland appeal uh and it's very like Every album is a statement. Every album is like a move, a, a, a move in a direction for my career. You sure. know, they're every couple of years, you know, and it's uh, uh, there's a a kind of like conflicted flag waving about the whole thing, you know, uh, uh, but it's really the wholesomeness that I think that gets to it because his whole thing was like the folk 
music values, but they're in rock and roll. And her whole thing is like, is it's it's a very similar kind of thing, although less political. Sure. And Beyonce is elevating dance music to a place that I think Prince was doing a, a very similar thing. You know, where it's like, these are clearly, these are songs that are incredibly sophisticated, but they sound just like, like they, they're very danceable. You know what I mean? Like they sound much simpler than they are. And here we are again, revisiting this battle, this clash of, uh, of the two ends of the pop music spectrum. That's an interesting take. Um, poke some holes in it. I, Knock I'm not necessarily down. sure that I'm going to poke holes in it so much <laughs> as I'm just going to like offer my opinion there. Here we go. Um, I do see some parallels. Uh, I think the ascension of Bruce Springsteen uh, in the mid 80s, thanks to Born in the USA, was really a counterpoint to Michael Jackson and Prince becoming ah. as popular as they were. Yes. I think, you know, and Bruce was already popular to, to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but I think the elevation of Bruce Springsteen into like pop culture hero was really a response to the two biggest artists in pop music at the time being black. They were like, we need a white Michael Jackson, a white Prince and Bruce Springsteen kind of elevated at, at the right point. Yeah. For yeah. That. Yeah. Um, totally with you so far. Yeah. In terms of like Taylor versus Beyonce, my, my biggest beef with Taylor Swift is just that Taylor Swift, I feel like, and this might be a, a controversial take for some people. Ooh, yes. I think Taylor Swift just appeals to mediocre white women everywhere. <laughs> Hell yeah. 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 Uh, Get them. <laughs> and, you know, everybody needs a hero, right? Sure. Um, sure. I, so so I just think that, you know, there's a whininess and an entitlement mm-hmm. uh, kind of intrinsic to Taylor Swift that has prevented me from liking her as much yeah. as uh, I, I maybe would like to or want to or should or whatever. Um, You know, and I also, I mean, I also think, you know, Beyonce, as talented as she is, and she is incredibly talented, mm-hmm. uh, she's not a great lyricist. Um, I, I, you know, there's never been a song of Beyonce's that has like moved me. Yeah, that I've been like, this is a piece of pure poetry. Mm-hmm. Like Beyonce is a fantastic entertainer; she can sing her ass off, and that's that's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think Beyonce appeals more to people on sort of the fringes. Mm-hmm. Um. I think part of that is just by virtue of her being black, um, but she's also made very specific inroads uh, or, or outreach to the queer community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there is sort of a, they're both very populist, but I think Beyonce, you know, Beyonce has done records with like Big Frida and she's done all this stuff to kind of like, she pushes at the margins a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think Taylor Swift is kind of okay being, milk toast yeah 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 well it's like who does she reach out to Haim, right yeah it's like you know you know she's in a record with with kendrick lamar or ice spice and you know that's whatever but uh, you know again like she kind of just strikes me as someone who got really big being kind of mediocre and is just kind of like reveling in yeah 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 absolutely well this this Ties into another thing that I wanted to talk about today. Okay. Which is last week at some point, I think it was last weekend, 
Andrew Wiley. Do you know who Andrew Wiley is? No, I do not know this, who that is. He is a legendary kind of literary agent. So he has represented Philip Roth and uh, Sally Rooney and, and uh, a lot of people like that. Okay. Rare to, for him to give an interview at all. Gives one to the New York Times in which the, the, the interviewer is really trying to get him to say that uh, uh, the status of serious writers has changed. Okay, <laughs> so he's pushing this point. And... Uh, he, the interviewer says something like, I, I have the quote right in front of me. He says, uh, uh, should the, the goals of the writer be to matter in the culture? And Andrew Wiley says, no, absolutely not. Who gives a shit? You want to matter in this culture? Not me. <laughs> Which is metal as hell, first of all. Right. For him to say that. But also, at a certain point, is the very idea of popularity a kind of indictment. You know what I mean? Like, is the fact that Taylor Swift is this popular, it's an achievement, of course. It's amazing, but it is also kind of like, like, can you be popular for the right reasons, I guess is the question. That's a slippery slope because what are the right reasons? I don't know. I don't Uh, know. I think there are, in a post-reality TV world, Mm -hmm. there are lots of people who are popular for wrong reasons. Yeah. Or popular for reasons that have nothing to do with um, talent. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and Taylor, no doubt Taylor Swift is talent. Oh, yeah. Um, and there are still plenty of people, uh, I, you know, and, you know, my pop culture medium of choice is music. But there are plenty of musicians out there who are deservedly popular because they're talented. I, mm-hmm. You know, Bruno Mars, uh, Justin Timberlake. Rocks. Bruno Mars uh, is so good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Silk um, Sonic, that's my jam. Yeah. Um, but there are also a lot of folks out there. And, you know, look, I'm a child of the 80s and early 90s, pre-internet, pre-reality TV, when you, it was very hard for you to get popular by making a complete ass out of yourself. Yes. <laughs> but now making a complete ass out of yourself seems like the point mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And that is disappointing. Um, I, I, it does feel like we have entered a very distinct lowest common denominator uh, society. Yeah, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm also, I think, you know, personally powerless to do anything about it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I can, I can obviously choose what I consume. This is how we start a production company. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, I, I can choose what I consume. And uh, if something feels very lowest common denominator-ish to me, I mm-hmm. will deliberately not consume it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't watch reality TV. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't really know what a Kardashian is. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's kind of all this stuff that I'm just not interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to not be judgy of people who are interested in that stuff, although I, I, I am pretty judgy about yeah, people yeah. who are into that stuff you that's just, it's your gut reaction yeah, you can't help it yeah um but i mean that's just kind of where we're at right now and i feel like a lot of people just don't know any better yeah no it's true and also the offerings aren't there yeah you know the what offering, I mean? it's like well i it, think we're or they're harder to find yeah they're harder to find yeah. we're inundated with offerings and i you know i've i've talked to i've talked about this with friends before you know we used to have gatekeepers mm-hmm. and i think we live in a world now where there are no gatekeepers and that's a good thing. And it's also a really bad thing. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's not great to have 
too few gatekeepers. Mm. It's also not great to have too many gatekeepers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree. <laughs> it's like there's no quality control. Right. There's no... Uh, um, it, the value, if, if this is just like this, like, sea of, I mean, let's just take Netflix as an example. Okay. It's like, say, say you're, you're, uh, uh, you're working on it, you're an actor, and you star on this new show that is going to premiere on Netflix. You are not just going up against, it wasn't even that long ago where you, you oh, I'm on this new show. It's going to be Thursdays at nine right. on NBC. Right. So you're picking that as a viewer over the Thursday at 9 show on CBS, CBS or ABC. ABC. And now it's, so it's on, let's say if it's, if it's even on the home screen at all, someone has to scroll past their favorite show of all, Friends, Seinfeld, Twin Peaks, 30 Rock, all this stuff, to get past that stuff that they've been watching to your new thing. Like We have there's, too many choices. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with music where yeah. it's just like on Spotify, it's like this new you band got, is competing against the Beatles. Right. You have the choice of everything. Mm -hmm. I Not to be the get off my lawn guy, but, you know, when I was a teenager, if I had 20 bucks in my pocket, it was like, okay, I can go to Tower Records and out of everything in this store, I can buy two cassettes yeah. or one CD. And that's the thing that I'm going to listen to. Otherwise, I'm beholden to the radio. Right. And whatever else I have in the house. Whereas now I can press a button and for free mm -hmm. listen to anything I want. Yes. And anything. Again, I feel like that's a situation where like the floodgates opened and there's nobody regulating it. And generally speaking, humanity, when faced with unlimited choice, doesn't make the right choice. It's true. Well, yeah. it's like. The idea is very rosy, which is like, well, this is going to lead to this incredible rich matrix of like, you're checking out all kinds of new things all the time. But really, I feel like people just kind of retreat to their face. I mean, I space. definitely do, which like, I feel like I have to fight against actively right. is to not just put on stuff I know I'm going to like and try something new. Right. It's hard. It is hard. I'm a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> You are not a little baby, but, you know, people want things that are going to bring them comfort. It's true. And, uh, you know, a as humanity... You're my throne in the mic. Did you hear that? <laughs> it's fine. It's incredibly unprofessional. Hey, I, Keep going, Mike. This is Radio Free Brooklyn, Colby. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Fair enough. Um, people, are, just as a general rule, people are, are not... Um, it takes a while for people to open up to things that are not mm -hmm. uh, 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 that are not quote unquote normal to them, that are new to them, like yeah, different yeah. concepts, different ideas. Um, it, it's difficult for people to kind of wrap their heads around that. I mean, look at uh, uh, you know how people feel about like trans and non-binary people. Now. Oh yeah, like if it's a foreign concept, it's hard for people to wrap their uh, heads around. So even like shrinking that into entertainment options, if it's like. I can watch this movie with Tom Cruise or whatever actor that I've seen in movies a million times or check out this thing that I really don't know anything about. They're going to lean towards the familiar thing nine times out of ten. Right, right, right. For sure, yeah. which is understandable. But by the same token, I have known people and do know people in my life that are that will just check something new out like it's nothing, like they're throwing it away. You know what I mean? Where it's just like it's like uh, uh Oh yeah, like I'll I'll talk to my friend who's just like, oh yeah, I just watched a whole season of uh, uh, the Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. Oh wow! Just like I wouldn't even think to put on 
the Lincoln lawyer on yeah. Netflix. And he was like, look, the show isn't good. So it's not like I'm missing anything. But you know what I mean? It's like there are people who I think do the exploring for me <laughs> that I just graft off. I, of. You know, I respect I respect people who are super exploratory when it comes to the entertainment they consume. Yeah, I am. I maybe used to be that person. I don't think I am very much that person anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I probably listen to more new music than the average person my age, but that's not a ton of new music. Yeah, yeah. Um, How do you find it? Where do you, do you have like labels that you trust, or like what's? No, the... I mean, I used to be a music journalist. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of friends who are still in those worlds. So if I uh. read a review by somebody who I trust, or um. A lot, a lot of times, uh, friends will recommend music to me, mm. or I'll be, you know, looking at NPR Tiny Desk or something like yeah, that, and I'll yeah, be like, yeah. "Oh, who's this person? I'll check this out." So, you know, I, I'm fortunate that I have a lot of people who know what my taste is and are willing to kind of push me in a particular direction and be like, "Hey, Mike, check this out." Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's so true. It's like so much of that stuff is just like a guy I know. Yeah. You know? It's like yeah. Would you, would, do you remember the guy who did that show on Radio Free Brooklyn called like Look at My Records? Yeah. Do you remember, what was his name? I don't remember. I can see him. Yeah, but, I can but, picture he, him completely in my. He's been in, on my show. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> he's Look at My Records on Instagram also, but like I still follow him. And he does. He lives in Jersey City, and he has this great. He's very plugged into like the Brooklyn and Jersey City music scenes. And I feel like I, I just. By happening to know him through the radio station and following on Instagram was like how I found out about most of the mu- new music I know. You know what I mean? But it's just... It only takes like, one person. It only takes one. Right. Yeah, that's all you need. Yeah. Good Lord. And there's some people who have none. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if this... Just like, I'm going to listen to my uh, Beatles uh, record. If he doesn't post in a while, I'm kind of just like, all right, it's <laughs> Bob Dylan again. You're adrift. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seven one eight six seven three eight two zero one, folks. Seven one eight six seven three eight two zero one. If you've got new music thoughts or really any other thoughts at all, now wanna, Mike want to cancel me for talking crap about Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, we, I feel like it was pretty mild. Thank you. I I, I wonder. <laughs> I want to do a little. Uh, this is a segment we do on the show sometimes. Oh, uh, and uh, it's a little game uh, of too low, too high. Okay. So we've done this, we have these, we live in this world of lists, right? We have these big institutions, they put out these lists every so often. And in 2020, while I was on a hiatus from Radio Free Brooklyn, Rolling Stone updated their best 500 albums of all time list. Okay. And I remember at the time thinking, boy, do I wish I had the show right now. <laughs> and I've been waiting all year since coming back for the right guest to Take a look at this thing. Boom. Uh, with, and I think it's you. Hey. So, very simple the way we do this. We go through the list, and we decide if the album is too low or too high. Okay. Number one on the list is Marvin Gaye, What's Going On? And you can say too high, or too, or you could say too low, even though it's number one. Right. To give it an even bigger commi- uh, compliment. Too high. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> fantastic album that stuff is so good yeah maybe not my favorite album of all time no but uh, a great album yeah yeah here we go number two pet sounds beach boys too low too high too high too high i agree not not really a beach boys kind of guy although pet sounds also is a great album it's really good i'm a politician (laughs) (laughs) but they're like 
They have like Beach Boys like super fans out there. There are. Who are? I mean, I'm like, sure there are. They just like they pour over those box sets. It's like there is one box set where it's like it's like every minute. I forget even which album it is. It wasn't Pet Sounds. It's another one where it's like every minute that they were rolling tape in the studio is on this box set. So you just hear them like chatting in, and like like stuff like equipment knocking into each other. That's so unnecessary. And they're just like like hey Brian like like what'd you have for breakfast? That is like stuff like that. Yeah, I don't need to be listening to Brian Wilson's farts. I, I you mean, know literally yeah. literally that's what this thing is like. And I just like there are like it totally makes sense to me that like Bob Dylan is bootleg to the extent that he is cuz he's like very important American artist beyond just uh uh you know Music, it's like in the pantheon of, of sure. I mean, and Brian Wilson is too, uh, absolutely. Yeah, but he's but it's like I can't imagine. I just it's hard for me to imagine listening to the Beach Boys and being like, I gotta, <laughs> I need every minute of this guy's life. They're very simple, uh, very simple songs. I would agree. Sorry, I got a message from our station manager that supposedly a. Legendary Air replacement is uh, starting today. So everybody keep your dials tuned uh, for the show after after ours for a brand new a brand new time. Number three, Joni Mitchell Blue. Too high. Too high. I I agree. I'm not even sure if that's in my top three Joni Mitchell albums. I don't think so. Yeah. I get why they picked that one. But not really. It's it's the one people it's the first thing people think of when they think Joni Mitchell. Album. Yeah. 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 Number four. This is my, I'm going to go too low for this one. Stevie Wonder, Songs in the Key of Life. Oh, my God. Is there an option that isn't too high or too low? <laughs> it's just exactly where it's supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, also not my favorite Stevie Wonder album. Um, Shout it out. What's the best one? Uh, Inner Visions is my favorite. Is that so is my favorite good. album of all time. Oh, my God. Uh, so that would be good. number one on the Mike Joseph list. The uh, uh, There was a... a the summer that I worked at this summer camp here in New York in 2017, one of the toughest jobs of my life, uh, I played these couple Stevie Wonder albums all the time. They were like, they were getting me through that Why summer. was it a tough job? I, I don't want to get into okay. it. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Fair. But uh, I, those like where he the the weird Stevie Wonder albums, there is like there's nothing better to me. I, Stevie's a ge- genius. I feel like he's been kind of pigeonholed as this like adult contemporary, like soft core, like I mean, that's, that's what friends are for. It's only people who know I just call to say I love. Yeah, you. yeah. Which is a great song. I love that song. I mean, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. But I mean, it's this is also the guy that wrote Superstition, which is mm-hmm. just such a hard hitting you know, amazing song. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Stevie Wonder. He's Next one. What? Huh? He's a genius. He's a genius. Yeah. He's good. I'm sick <laughs> of the disrespect. Don't, don't put some respect on Stevie Wonder's name. That's right. Next one, kind of a snooze, The Beatles Abbey Road. That's the biggest one on the list. The Beatles Abbey Road. Slightly too high. I think too high. Yeah. I, I I think too high for sure. Abbey Road would be in like my top twenty. Yeah, yeah. Fleetwood Mac rumors. Was that number six? Yeah. S- again, slightly too high. I think too high as well. Yeah. It's great, but it's kind of like slick. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't. You know, if you know how to do slick, then do slick. Yeah. Uh, I I rumors is a an amazing record. I, oh yeah. I, 
you know, it again in my top 20, 30, 40, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, it would uh, have to be. But it yeah, have to be. What do you think of Tusk? You like Tusk? I like parts of Tusk. Tusk is a really long record. It's super long. <laughs> uh, and it's also like weird and indulgent and cocaine-y. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, Tusk could have been a really good like 10 song record. I know. I feel that way about so many double albums yeah. where it's just like, man, this would have been untouchable. As, yeah, as a single as record. One like, disc. Yeah. Just needed somebody to come and be like, you know what? We could take 20 minutes off of this. <laughs> yeah. I know. Next one, we were talking about him earlier. Prince, Purple Rain. Uh, Number seven. Woo. Uh, two. That's probably on the nose. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll go with I'll go with just That's right. Probably on the nose. I'll go with yeah. just right. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the movie Purple Rain recently? Uh, I saw it at the Nighthawk Theater, I think, in 2019. That's awesome. How did it hold up? Uh, not well. Really? They're... Uh, I mean, look, A, the acting is pretty bad. <laughs> sure. Um, these people are not, acting is not their first profession mm-hmm. in most cases. Um, there, there is some violence in the movie that has not held up very well. Um, particularly when you think of Prince as like this great champion of women and like, it's a little sexist uh-huh. um, in some ways. Um, but it's again, it's a film. Yeah. Um, you know, films are not supposed to be bastions of uh, uh, correct behavior. Yeah. Uh, but still, I, you know, watching it, watching it 35 years after it came out, um, having not seen it in a really long time, it was like, Ooh, there's some problematic stuff in here. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen it since high school, and okay. uh, I'm very curious to revisit. First titties I ever saw were Apollonia's. Can we talk about, since we're talking about movies like this, can we talk about uh, uh, the nonstop uh, talking heads uh, uh, press cycle that we had to endure this year? I mean, endure is a strong word. I, I say endure. I'm I, sick of it. I love talking heads. I love them, too, yeah. and I love that movie. The it's Stop Making, making sense. sense. Great it's, movie. It's... it's, it's a one of a kind it's an unbelievably good thing but i find this it was constant we were inundated with this thing and it's just like every every interview was so when are you guys gonna play together <laughs> right. like when's the reunion concert and they're all just kind of looking at each other like <laughs> i don't know like they clearly hate each other like they cannot and, and that, be around each other right i mean that felt like people were so Happy to see these four people in the same room yes, again. Yes, that's the bar. Is and to I see them like, all together. I feel like the inevitable question when the four of them are sharing like the same room, they're in between the same four walls. Is like, uh-huh. so y'all gonna like get in a studio and like make some music, go on yeah. tour or something like that? Like I would ask that question. Um, so I I kind of get it, and you know those conversations didn't lead anywhere because yeah. you know. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, but it, it, for me, it was just like a warm fuzzy to see them. Actually, they're able to tolerate enough, each other enough to be in the same room again. Yeah. Which feels like a step forward. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like David, I don't know. There's something about David Byrne that annoys me. I don't know what it is. I mean, he's he's a quirky guy. Uh, and he is, uh, someone suggested, and I don't remember in what context or when it was. They were like, you know, this guy was probably on the autism spectrum before people actually knew what autism was. Yeah, okay. All right. um, I'm canceled. 
No. <laughs> Mike's uh, trying but, to cancel No, me. not no, not at all. <laughs> um, you know, but he's also kind of a self-righteous artiste. And, mm. you know, I would imagine he's extremely difficult to get along with and probably not somebody you want to sit in a coffee shop and have like a sandwich and a tea with. Yeah. I, I would love to tell you a quick story about uh, please, David Byrne. Please. So this wasn't me. This uh, And I don't even... Oh, I'll just say who it was. This was the great comedian now now in L.A., sadly, uh, 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 not in New York anymore, Joe Rumrell, when he lived here. Okay. Good pal. Went to a SNL taping as a, a mutual friend of ours, was on a writing staff. Went for the episode where David Byrne was the musical guest in like 2019, I think this was. Uh... And went to the after party. And our mutual friend is like, you got to go talk to David Byrne. Like, you, this is why you're here. You love David Byrne. He's right over there. Okay, I'm going to go over and talk to David Byrne. Joe goes over to talk to David Byrne. And uh, says, it's very nice. He's such a sweet guy. Uh, and this is not a David Byrne's an asshole story. <laughs> I want to squash that right now. That's not what happened. Sure. What he does is he plugs something. He says, he, Joe goes up to him and says, uh, hey, David, I just want to say, like, you know, I, I know, you know, this writer, you know, I'm such a big fan and, uh, you know, stop making sense. You know, I watch it every year is what he says. OK. And David Byrne says, oh, well, then you should check out the brand new Criterion Collection set that they've just put out. It's only $40. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's so funny that he was like selling product at this after party to this fan that does not surprise me it doesn't at all it feels like a david byrne conversation absolutely i mean look i you know the illusion of professional musicians or or professional entertainers or professional athletes being these like exalted people yeah uh was lost on me a long time ago because i've worked in the entertainment business now for 30 years right right so you know my whole attitude is it doesn't matter who you are, your shit stinks. Mm-hmm. Um, I am much more drawn to people who I feel like you could have a good conversation with. And David Byrne does not strike me as the type of person, <laughs> but he, he would be too full of himself. Yeah. Just my opinion. Probably. Uh, to have like a good down to earth conversation. Mm-hmm. I went to see the Broadway show, the American, American Utopia. Utopia. Yeah, 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 yeah. The first night I saw it, a bunch of the cast had COVID. So they couldn't do the show. And instead they just did like a a set. You know, they did a bunch of like talking head songs that are are not in the show. Okay. And it was great. It was like, he was, it was, he was loose. You know, it was like, it was clearly like they were just patching it together that day. It was exciting to see him in that environment. And he told, he was very eloquent on like what downtown life meant to him at that, at that during those early years where he was talking about like you know it's like we would you know play at at uh, Max's Kansas City and then we would like go to a Latin club downtown and then a jazz club once that closed you know it's like the uh, you can see where his like it, the world music influence came in through how diverse the New York music scene was at that point and how sure. close to each other all the places were sure um and that was like it was so interesting it was like lending all this insight and then they what they offered us a refund because the we didn't see the show and so we went another uh uh an, they like gave, gave us tickets to go another night to once the cast was all better and it was just like obviously it's a different thing but it's like you've got this you know one very casual very like intimate experience versus there's a point in the American Utopia where 
he like makes a third of the audience stand up and is like, this is how many people vote. Only a third of people vote. Right. Imagine this third of the people telling everybody else, like being in charge of everybody else what's to do. And it's just this lame political point. It's I mean, like, there's, there's he's a space right. for that. He's yeah. right. And it's, you know, but uh, at the same time, it was just like, oh, man, like, like this is what the show is. Right. There's a space for that. But I, uh, I understand that a lot of people don't like being lectured to. And I'm one of those people that doesn't like being lectured to. Yeah. And I can understand the contrast between just kind of loosey goosey, like, Hey, we're just going to perform some stuff. And then this very scripted kind of like talk being talked at. Yeah. Type yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Anyway, talking heads are on this list for a while. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. I, you know, I figured they'd be somewhere on the list, but They're maybe somewhere. not I immediately. I wonder, let me see. Hey, speaking where they... in tongues or, or uh... okay. Okay. Remain in light is 39. Oh wow, that's high. That's, that's high. That's higher. That's that's too high. Yeah, that's, that's high. <laughs> it's above Ziggy Stardust, Let It Bleed, and Sign of the Times. Shouldn't the I mean three. Sign of the Times is probably my second favorite album of all time. Oh, it's so uh, good. So, oh you know. man, wow. Well, after after Purple Rain, the next is uh, Blood on the Tracks. Bob Dylan. I'm not a Dylan guy. I think this is way too high, personally. And I am a Dylan guy. Yes, so I'm glad that you're saying that. Yeah. Because I'm just, like, I respect, appreciate, and love Bob Dylan as a songwriter. Yeah. Uh, I do not own any Bob Dylan records. Uh, I've yeah. tried, and it just it's one of those things that just, you know, everything isn't for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and I would, given the choice, I would not listen to a Bob Dylan album. Yeah, I mean, this one... Especially. Right. I'd rather listen to a Taylor Swift or Beyonce. (laughs) Bringing it full circle. I'll say one thing about Blood on the Tracks, uh, which is that I, I, people on the show have heard, listeners to the show rather, have heard me talk about how I went to the Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa this year. There's a Bob Dylan Center? Yeah, yeah. There's, it opened last year. uh, In Tulsa? In Tulsa. It's a long story. (laughs) (laughs) It's in Tulsa because the Woody Guthrie center is in tulsa and they the same family that like runs the woody guthrie center like also bought bob dylan's archive hmm. uh and they uh, just did it right next door for basically for marketing purposes because they rightly figured that people who would be interested in one would probably be interested in the other uh so the museum itself is it's in a weird place but it is a very very cool thing but one of the coolest things about it is they give you these headphones uh, like you're at a museum, like a regular museum, and there's all these like little numbers you can push into like all this. Uh, they have like all these interviews that have been unearthed that you can kind of like listen to clips of and that kind of thing. Okay. But there's a clip of him talking, like promoting Blood on the Tracks, He or he's supposed to be promoting it in 1974 or whatever when it comes out. And he's on the radio, and the inter- the lady is saying, she's like, if people love your new album and it's true like at the time it was kind of like oh he's as like his return to form right you know? and he says i know i'm so confused by that <laughs> she's like what do you mean he's like well, i'm just whining about my divorce on it <laughs> it's like, it's like, little did he know people love that people shit love it they yeah. love it but it's it is true where it's just like the, the 65 66 run is just like it's uh, uh so amazing and so like vibrant and I have always been confused by people putting this one like, uh, I love it. Like, it's great. Don't get it. Don't get it in that pantheon at all. If I knew any other Dylan super fans, I would challenge them to come on the show and debate you. <laughs> yeah. 
but I don't. <laughs> it would come to blows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. Ugh, we've only got a couple minutes left here, so I want to jump around. Jump uh, around. And uh, uh, talk about a couple. At 25, Carol King Tapestry, Too Low, Too High. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, very slightly high. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like yeah. that. I like that. Uh, I'm going to pick on this one. At 46, Paul Simon Graceland, Too Low, Too High. Too high. Way too high. Yeah. <laughs> IMO. Graceland hasn't aged well. <laughs> and finally, uh, at 47, the Ramones. Ramones. Too high. I'm just not a Ramones guy. I think like a little too high. Okay. I think it belongs on the list, sure. But I appreciate the Ramones. I understand their influence. Uh, just not, per, uh, you know. Speaking as Mike Joseph and speaking uh, in terms of Mike Joseph's taste, it wouldn't wouldn't make that yeah. list for me. I'm just like I'm like scrolling to the end of the list here because there are some really weird ones once you get to like 400. I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. There is. some. Come on. Come on. OK, here we go. At 423, Yola Tango. I can hear the heart beating as one. Thoughts on Yola Tango? I was not anticipating having a second conversation about Yola Tango today. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Shout out to my buddy Adam, who I think is going to see Yola Tango in like a week or two. Oh, at the Hanukkah shows? Yeah, at the Hanukkah Jealous. shows. Um, I, I don't know much about them. Okay, how about this one? At 418, Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. Too high. Too high. <laughs> I don't understand why people like Dire Straits. Walk <laughs> of Life is a great song. It is a great song. Yeah. Uh, Let's see here. Let's see here. Uh, let's do some random ones. Oh, my God. This is so funny. At 408, Ace of Spades, Motorhead. <laughs> Too high. Too high. R.I.P. Lemmy. Oh, man. How many can we get? How many can we get in this like last couple, like last two minutes here? How about at 401, Blondie's self-titled debut mm, maybe too high yeah i think i think maybe a little too yeah. high blondie is one of those bands that i've always felt is like great for a greatest hits record yeah but i don't really need anything else. i mean talk about great titles though they've got some very good ones the, the oh the eat song, to the beat eat to the beat is yeah. great yes and what's the one with heart of glass on it uh parallel, parallel lines. lines parallel yeah. lines is great yes eat to the beat i think is the album that has um die young stay pretty yes on it that is the most punk title <laughs> ever. And to hear her, I mean, the song is like, okay. Right. <laughs> but it's like, it's, I just love the, the, I love the title. Uh, how about uh, uh, Massive Attack, Mezzanine? Do you have thoughts on Massive Attack? That's a really good album. Not yeah. their best album, but. It's a 383. I love uh, that it's there. I mean, that sounds like a place it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? 378, run DMC, run DMC. Uh, I mean, you know, important. <laughs> See, there are albums that are important, but not qualitatively good to me. Yes. And I feel like the run DMC, for the first run DMC album is okay, but it's very sort of like primitive. Yeah. Um, so not my choice for a run DMC album, but it's fine. Uh, rad. I think we have to go. But we have three minutes and 52 seconds left. Colby. I know. Where is this the next show? Maybe they're not here. I don't know. Did, did our station manager say it's a live show? Mm, I don't know. Mm. Let's see. This is Jonathan B. Lerner. We're talking about everybody. Hey. Most of the next best thing. 
on uh, Monday nights at 10 p.m. Shout out Jonathan right. D. Lerner. He doesn't say. So I okay. guess we'll find out. We don't know. <laughs> 366, Aerosmith Rocks. Ooh, that's not even a good Aerosmith album. Too high. Yeah. Too high. Uh, okay, 359, Big Star, Radio City. I'm not, I don't know that one super well. I mean, I've heard it a couple of times. It's fine. Uh, how about 357, Tom Waits, Rain Dogs? Uh, I, Tom Waits, to me, is similar to Bob Dylan, whereas he writes a great song. Uh, I don't need to hear him sing. I think he sucks. Okay, that's, and that's fair. <laughs> this is... Rena, uh, we're just talking about Radio Free Brooklyn people. Her personalities, point. I mean, that's fine. This, There's this, lots of them. My opinion that Tom Waits sucks, I think, single-handedly keeps me on the air because Rena loves Tom Waits, and she thinks it's so funny that I hate him. That is hilarious. <laughs> and also, I, and I'm just, as we're talking about Radio Free Brooklyn personalities, I'm remembering that you and I are, are uh, trained on the yeah. same day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Our roots go deep. We will forever be uh, linked. <laughs> I just right. want to shout your socks out because oh, they're, they're, wow. you are you're Thank styling. You. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think I got them uh, on Instagram, uh, Instagram ad. Right. I answered, but all right, we got to call it there. We're gonna sign off, uh, Mike. People should listen to your show, obviously, right? Thank you. I mean, sure. <laughs> the vibe from Mike's house, and also uh, the Detoxicity. Podcast. Listen to the Detoxicity podcast. You've been a guest. I have. Uh, it, uh, it was a great show. Yeah, that's going back uh, a little. I remember recording that. Uh, shortly after I moved into my current home. Okay. So. It was great. Oh, yeah. You're welcome back. Uh, if I you ever want to talk about your life. I would love to. Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's set it up. Yeah. In the meantime, we got to go out to this Blondie song we, uh, we were talking about. This Are you going to play uh, uh, Die Young, Stay, stay young. Pretty? Yes. Yeah. Stay, uh, stay Young, Die Pretty. It, 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 confirming that it is for me to the beat. Uh, thank you so much, Mike, for coming uh, back Colby, on. anytime. This truly flew by. Yes. Uh, it was so much fun. And everybody, keep your dials tuned Radio Free Brooklyn for this mystery <laughs> Mystery show, show that's, that's going to start next. in two minutes. But uh, here's a little bit of Blondie on the meantime. Bye. <laughs> 